And go ahead. Welcome to Auto Off Topic Podcast, episode number one oh ten. Nope. What number are we on? I don't even know. One seventeen. We that high, really? Yeah. Reboot. Welcome to Auto Off Topic Podcast, episode number one seventeen. At least seven higher than I thought it was. What's up, Brad? Nothing. What's going on with you? Not too much. Uh, we talked about. So we'll go right into project car updates. Last, sure. Last uh, episode, talked about the Montero, the driver's side rear caliper had locked up. We did. Definitely locked up. And I swapped it out. New pads, new rotors. Went real fast, easy. Perfect. Solved the problem. Truck drives great now. Sweet. Cool. Don't park it. I like it when a plan comes together. Just keep driving it so things don't freeze up anymore. I guess. Uh, I do need to undercoat it, but I still don't want to drive it in the salt. Well, once you undercoat it, you can. Yeah, I can. Just not daily. Just occasional. Um, not that there's any salt out right now. No. But uh, I have been driving a 07 Mini Cooper S for work. Mm-hmm. It's super fun. I'm sure it is. Super analog. It's not very interesting, though. Sure it is. It's still too common, I think. Not really. I don't. You don't see many of the early minis anymore. You know what, though? When I see them, I don't really notice a difference between the first and second gen minis. First and second gens are pretty close. You definitely notice it between the later ones where they got way bigger. Yeah, I just don't pay attention anymore, I don't think. Not that I have anything against them, because they are good cars. They're fun to drive, and it's no super fun to drive. Them, but I've just never been one to follow them, I guess. I was super excited when they announced them when they were coming out. Yeah. What was that, like 97, 98 now? It was later than that. No, 03. Oh, that year. was that late? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was super excited when they announced they were coming out. Um, cause I thought they were cool looking, but... And I drove one when they first came out. Actually, it was definitely 03, because it was the same year I bought my Evo, mm-hmm. and a friend of our father's um, had bought a brand new Mini the same year, a Mini S, the black one, mm-hmm. which he actually still has. Uh, and we traded keys one night. He drove my Evo, and I drove that. And I remember thinking that it was... Um, Almost on par as far as, like, quickness of the steering rack and stuff. It was surprisingly quick. Uh, the Evo is definitely faster, but... Are they really fun front-wheel drive cars? They are a very fun car to drive. I'm no, I will not deny that. And they're super cheap now. Yeah, they're, like, five grand. Yeah. And the, or the, less. And they, made, and they made a ton of them, so they're easy to find. They are, like, definitely super small. And, like, the biggest thing that's, like, kind of weird is the the dash. It's just, like... There's a couple of things there that don't make much sense to me. It didn't age well. It's not that it looks terrible. It's just not laid out very intuitively. It was too retro, and then it's just kind of weird. My biggest pet peeve is the ones that don't have the tachometer in the middle. I mean, the speedometer in the middle. Yeah, but it's like not... You can't even look at it when you're... It's like stupid to be in the middle. But it's tradition. It is tradition, but that doesn't make it good. No, but I understand why it's there. But I don't like it when it's not there, because if you got the one with the like nav screen, the nav screen goes in that giant circle hole, and then there's a, like a gauge pod of attack and a speedometer that go on top of the steering wheel. Oh, weird. Which is even a more bizarre use, because there's a giant round circle in the middle of the dash for no reason. You could never put an aftermarket radio in them, because it's all integrated into the dash. Yeah, I'm sure you could, and there's probably some kind of way to do it, but yeah, it's not. it wouldn't look right. No, so it's all integrated. That kind of dates the car. But my biggest pet peeve with the whole layout is the radio volume control. 
because there's a big rotary knob right in the middle of the dash, right below the speedometer. Yeah. And it doesn't control the volume of the radio. You have to like search for the radio volume. It's the knob. it's the knob that's directly below it on the other side of the CD slot. Right. It doesn't look like it would be no. a radio control knob. No. What well, looks like the radio control knob just like scrolls through some menu settings yeah. or something. It's stupid. The um, man, we were the early two thousands were quite a retro styling. Yep. Time all kicked off by two cars, the Beetle and the Mini. No, Beetle and the PT Cruiser. Oh, Came right. Well before the Mini. It was the Beetle, then the PT Cruiser was 01. Wasn't the PT Cruiser before 01? No. Nope. It was 2001. Because I remember going to Florida with my family. Or maybe it was 2000. You're right, it was yeah. 01. Uh, they came I feel out... like it, it's, such, it's such a dated car. I feel like it came out in like 97. No. <laughs> they came out in 2000 as 01s. Because I remember we went to Florida. And uh, it... Um, they were like everywhere because they put them all in the rental fleets and they're just like so stupid looking and it's all it is is just a a uh, neon but whatever it's a tall neon and then that spawned obviously the HHR which is a tall cobalt mhm HHR was later though like a lot later like 2007 2008 i do like you know how when you type something into Google now, it gives you the people also ask section? Yeah. So I just typed PT Cruiser into Google to give myself an idea of when they started being made. People also ask, when did they stop making the PT Cruiser? Mm. Do they still make the PT Cruiser? How much is a brand new PT Cruiser? How much is an 05 PT Cruiser? Ugh. Ugh. Yes. Um, and then, like, what do we have after that? It had the... Uh... When did uh, FJ Cruisers come out? 05? I think. That was kind of retro. I don't know. Conveniently, I only have to change two letters into my Google search to find out, though. I know. Why like, <laughs> why'd they... Like, Cruiser. Like... 06. For cruising. I like, I like to put it right on the nose. I don't know. 06. Um, and then, of course, you have... I mean... I guess Jeeps never really went... Jeep Wranglers never really went retro. Uh, they've been retro from the beginning. They just have always evolved less so than other vehicles. Jeep and Porsche 911s. And like cargo vans. Yeah. That's about it. Very similar for years. Always the same. Anyway, we're way off topic now. What were we talking about? The Mini Cooper? That was the topic. Oh, yeah. We're talking about retro cars. Uh, retro design cars. Yeah, not actual retro cars. Terrible, the... terrible new cars. And, I mean, the Mustang didn't go away, but it came back as a retro car in 05. That's true, too. Yeah. And then the Camaro came back as a retro car in 08. Six. Oh, 06? Was it pre-bailout or post-bailout? I don't know. I'm not doing very good. My, I'm really good with, like, the car years up through, like, 95. Yeah, we know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't like OBD2. It, it's <laughs> shut up. Uh, oh, whoa, 2010. Yeah, it feels like so long ago. That no, was post bailout. Man, it's been so many. Like it's been a long ten. The years. Challenger was before that, and uh, I mean, of course, you always get the uh, internet pictures of the new 2035. 
No, no, it's Barracuda. Usually, it's usually like the same model year. It's like, oh, new 2018, Plymouth Barracuda. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. Plymouth doesn't exist, number one. And if this was a 2018 car, we'd already know about it. Yeah. Also, it's clearly a terrible Photoshop. Uh, let's see. So the new Challenger came out. It's all very unimportant. 2008. So two years prior to the Camaro. Mm. But three years after the Mustang. Mm-hmm. Very strange. I don't know how we got here. I don't know why we're here. But as a kid, this is all I wanted. I'm waiting for the uh, the the 2021 57 Chevy. Well, I mean, when I was a kid, we used to talk about that. <laughs> like, why don't they make a car that looks like a 57 Chevy? Now, in my brain, I'm like, please don't ever make a car that looks like a 57 Chevy, because it will be terrible. Can I get a PT Cruiser with a Continental kit? You can already. <laughs> There will become a point, though, when PT Cruises are actual antique cars, and that's going to be a weird oh, moment in time. Oh, it's terrible. But it's going to be a weird moment in time. It's not. In fact, they're almost already there. If they came out in 2000, they're already 19 years old. I mean, we celebrate some weird cars that are, like, 30 years old now, but, like, I feel like, I don't know, maybe. Do you think, like, the younger generations would be like, man, those PT Cruises were really cool. I you, bet you guys must have thought these were so cool when they came out. I bet twenty fifty. Okay, somebody who is say early teenage years in two thousand ten ish. So they're so, born in like ninety five. Somebody who's born in ninety five <laughs> in like twenty forty, we'll say, will remember the PT Cruiser. And be like, do you remember the Turbo PT Cruiser? <laughs> and they will seek one out the same way we would possibly drive a Turbo 2.2 minivan now. Yeah, I mean... You know what I mean? It's a, it's kind of a weird full circle thing. And people... Somebody who was 35 in 1981 has no interest in finding that PT Cruiser... Uh, sorry, that um, first generation minivan Turbo. Because they were like, those were garbage. I don't want one. They still are. They still are. Somebody who was a little bit younger than that, who was, say, in their 20s or 30s in the, in the 90s to early 2000s, will be like, I vaguely remember those minivans being common. And they made a version with a turbo, which is interesting enough to seek one out and try to use it. So I think that will probably happen with the PT Cruiser. And then there will be the grumpy old man saying, those things were garbage when they came out. Throw them in the trash. Why would anybody ever save those? Yeah, and I mean... Everything turns around. Yeah, but still, no, I don't think my mind. Will, I don't think I'll ever come around on those. No, you won't. The <laughs> same way the guy who was thirty when the first gen turbo <laughs> minivan came out was like, nope, no interest whatsoever. <laughs> it's just a, it's, it's a, a generational thing. Different generations remember things differently, and you know it's been so many years of fifty-seven Chevy car shows, and I don't want to get into Radwood again, but you know it's our time. And it's our time. That's all there is to it. I guess. We like 57 Chevys, but we also like stuff that was new when we were younger. Because we saw it when it was new. You know? That's... How did I say it the other day to somebody? I said, uh, nostalgia knows no taste. I guess. Like, you remember something for reasons other than... It's good. You remember it because it brings back a moment in time. So, 
I like Snarians because I wanted nothing more in high school than a Snarian. Are there much better ways to spend my money? But there is still an, in- they're an interesting sporty car. But are there much better ways to spend that same uh, money? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, there's no question. They're not the best car out there. They're a pain in the butt sometimes to work on. They're not the most reliable cars in the world. But they were cool looking, and I wanted one more than any other car when I was 16. All right. I wonder if there is a 57 Corvette kit yet for a C7. I almost guarantee it. Because <laughs> those people still have money. Because, I mean, I mean, even like a, like a, I don't know, C5s are starting to look a little dated. Yeah, that's why they're cheap. Yeah. They haven't quite hit the retro mark yet or the nostalgia mark yet because they're just cheap. C4s are coming back up. Yep, and then C5s will go the other way too. Mm. And then C6s will be cheap. Uh, for your C7, I don't see a 57 kit. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a C7 to C2 kit. So oh. it looks like a 63 Stingray. Ooh. Yeah, don't say I'm that. I'm sure that looks great. Great is definitely the word I would use. Sure. Like it would look better. I mean, it looks terrible. I'm just going to show you a picture. And there you go. And it's terrible. I, I don't hate it. Yes, you do. No, I don't hate it. <laughs> you look, you're, it's black, so you can't see the actual lines. I don't hate it. it. You hate it. Trust me. It actually looks like a bad Photoshop. Like, like you would you would post that somewhere and be like, 2021 C7's coming out. Now you hate it. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> it's kind of weird. I don't Whatever. <laughs> you hate El Caminos, but you don't hate this. El Caminos are terrible. You were lost. Lost. Yeah, terrible. You were a lost soul, sir. Hey, you know what I found? Uh, you could like this guy doing a C4 to a C6 conversion. That is not going to end well. Okay. <laughs> we should probably post that somewhere so anyway. people can see it. Please search C4 to C6 body conversion if you're interested. I found, because uh, I saw it posted in Auto Week, was by Merle Martin. A board game that apparently you were familiar with. I had this as a child. Called Dealer's Choice. Yes. I had no idea how to play it, but I had it as a child. Oh, we're going to play it. Not right now, but we're going to play it. 1972. Yes, we're going to sit here and play a board game on air. There are some podcasts that do that. It's not our style, though. Um, So it came out in 1972. Mm -hmm. The cool thing, it was made by Parker Brothers. In the city we grew up in, yeah, Salem, Mass. Mass. That used to be where the Parker Brothers factory As was. As a child, did you ever get to go on a Parker Brothers factory tour for a field trip? I did not. They yeah. got rid of those. Because by that time in the late, well, mid, early to mid-90s, that's when they started to go out of business. So when I was in elementary school, a couple different years, we went on the Parker Brothers uh, factory tour. And the best part about it was at the end, you get to go to the... Um, I heard like, about it. They let you pick like testing any, room. any game you want to take home. Any game in the store in, in, that they made currently you could take home with you. Yeah. Every every kid. Yeah. So I did it like three years in a row. Mm-hmm. Which stinks because you're like three years younger than me. So those must have been the last three years they did it. Yeah. So. And then they, they I mean, that was when like, you know, manufacturing was big. And then it was shortly thereafter they, that factory closed. It was closed for a long time too. Now it's. Yep. Um, condos. Now it's condos. Yep. 
Much like every other vacant yeah. property in Salem. So the description, there's no guarantee, but dealer's choice. Just might you make the richest used car dealer in town. You can conduct your business honestly or with crafty deception. <laughs> your methods are up to you and for your opponents to discover. Dealer's choice may be fantasy, but it becomes reality when you suddenly find you're running your own freewheeling car dealing enterprise. So you asked me if I'd ever heard of this game, and I was like, yeah, it has an orange, like, early C3 Corvette on the cover. And you're like, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Because <laughs> I had that game, like I said, growing up. Um, it's got this awesome 70s font on it. Like, it's a super cool package. Yeah, it's package. Definitely, definitely a period piece. I bet if I searched hard enough, my parents, I was like, I could probably find it. But Whatever, I got it for 20 bucks on eBay. I remember it was in my grandparents' basement, specifically. We're going to have a, a game night just to play this. Yeah, we should. I think we should have. I think we talked about doing a, a combo game night slash watching the movie Used Cars. Yeah, because I'd never seen it. I've never right. seen Used Cars. I've never seen Gung Ho. Oh, that's not a car dealer movie. That's a car manufacturing movie. Okay. Okay. Um, All right. Sorry, pedantic corrections department. It's not pedantic. It's just a different. <laughs> that is very pedantic. No, it's a very they're, different movie. They're related. They're related, as in they're not. As in they're both so bad they're good car movies from the same era. Actually, I think. Used cars is pre gung ho. I think gung ho is eighties. Yeah, it's definitely eighties actually. Um, if you haven't seen either of those movies, we'll probably be discussing them on the next podcast because we will watch them both. Yeah, to watch them. You know what else I want to watch is the. Uh, have you watched any of the Hoonigans thing on Amazon? I have not. The, yeah, I haven't had a chance. I heard it's good, so maybe I'll get to that this weekend too. Yeah, unfortunately, I have not. My favorite thing about the movie Gung Ho is some of the movie was shot in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and some of the movie was shot in like Argentina mm-hmm. and the car company is making one car mm-hmm. uh, it's the Asan Motors something or other um, and they make no attempt to hide this mm-hmm. but in the scenes where they're in Pennsylvania the Asan Motors car are Chrysler K cars and when they're in like Argentina the Asan Motors cars are Renaults totally different cars Pretending to be the same car. It's hmm. a, uh, a weird thing they just didn't care, I guess. But that's a Michael Keaton movie. I like that. Oh, it's not... Uh, well, it's not on Amazon Prime. I'd have to rent it. I'll have to find it somewhere. I watched it not that long ago. I found it somewhere. It may have been nefarious ways because it wasn't available anywhere else. Like I, could, I, oh, I legit, weird. legitimately couldn't buy it. It's a Ron Howard film starring Michael Keaton. What year did it come out? Uh, 1986. Okay, so it is after Used Cars, because Used Cars was 1980. Which Used Cars, that's Kurt Russell movie. Yeah. Might, have, might have been one of his first, actually. All right. All right. I got some stuff to watch. Yes, you do. But yeah, I think we should watch Used Cars the same night we play Dealer's Choice, because I feel it's very related. Sure. <laughs> the cover even looks kind of similar. <laughs> Used Cars 1980. Yeah, that's what I said. I know it was before. Um, anyway, so going back to Project Car Updates, this is how we all got off topic because we started talking about the Mini Cooper and we never went back. We also finished your WRX. Yeah, we talked about that. About the alignment. Oh, yeah. That's kind of a cool thing. And it's a new thing for us to try. Yeah. My dad bought some uh, alignment, some toe plates. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you set them up and you can set your, your camber, your toe with some measurements. They work surprisingly well. Um, I mean, really, like, 
a laser alignment machine is just a fancy way that it measures stuff. Of course. And you have to figure out people aligned vehicles before all that existed. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to do, like, an aggressive, like, race car alignment with this. Yeah, you can. Could you? Oh, yeah. Just takes you longer, but yeah. You can do, like, caster and everything with these things? Yeah. Okay. Yep. All I know how to do is what we did yesterday when you (laughs) adjusted the toe in and toe out. Mm Mm-hmm. Because we put all the new suspension parts in the WRX, and the steering wheel was off-center a little bit. Um, probably for a few reasons. I think we discussed that in the last episode, but I don't remember. That we took worn-out parts out and put new, not-rusted, falling-apart parts in. Yeah, so the the steering rack was not keyed, and I did mark it, match mark it, and I know we lined it up as best we could. It may have been off by one like keyway, which is probably, like I bet, like 36 keyways in there, if I were to guess, because 360 degrees of um, adjustment there. But it, the other thing was that the you know, the front of the car was probably twisted a little bit, and the U-frame came out of a car that might have been twisted a little bit. So we had to kind of like line them up and kind of pry stuff over to get it lined up. Mm-hmm. And then the car was a, probably aligned with that those rusty parts in it. Rusty bent parts. So it's entirely possible that it was aligned a little bit off, but now... No, it wasn't aligned off. It was aligned to the car. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what alignment does. And so we set it up. I got the front wheels square, and it tracks straight down the street and on the highway. Yeah, so it's a pretty simple setup. It's just two aluminum plates that go against the wheels with tape measures. Yeah. So you can just square it up. I'm still going to bring it to the... Real alignment shop because I'm curious to see how close it is. Yeah, it will, will be kind of a proof of concept kind of deal. And if it's pretty close, then you're going to keep I practicing mean these, doing this and not paying $100 every time. The alignment plates aligned. are $100. Yeah. So if you put $100 once to do basic alignments rather than $100 every time you change a suspension component, yeah. it's definitely uh, worth it. I mean, we did it to the Talon when I did the lower control arms yep. and couple other things. And then you drove that to Pennsylvania. Track straight, and the tires didn't wear funny, so it's pretty good. Yeah, no, I'm interested to see how it works. And it was pretty easy to do on the four-post lift, too, because you could have, you know, the wheels, you put them on, like, little pieces of carpet, so they moved easier. Mm -hmm. And then uh, just was easy to get under the car and adjust them on the Mm four-post. So it was uh, interesting. It would be hard to do it without a four-post lift. Yeah, you could do it. You, if had you had to have all four wheels supported on like equal, like lift ramps or something. The car just has to be on level ground, right, and have space to crawl underneath it. Mm-hmm. So a, a four post is almost essential to make these work. Mm-hmm. So there you go. One advantage to the four post. <laughs> um, scale project cars. Anything? I haven't been working on anything. Uh, I've been done, done some collecting. I. Ended up at Target, as one does. And I was like, let me breeze through Target here, through the Hot Wheels section. Not expecting to find anything, because I usually don't. And I found the entire uh, collection of the Circuit Legends Hot Wheels. Yes. That was a very... Two sets. That was a very expensive trip to Target. Oh, that night. yeah, because they're not a dollar a piece. They're like five fifty. a Yeah. Piece. But they're worth it, because they have all kinds of extra detail and uh, and whatnot. Now, that's from the Car Culture... Yeah. Uh, series that they release one a month of. The Cobra's a little weird. The back tires are giant. Well, that's the old um, Hot Wheels issue. They used to suffer from 
they used to call it uh, large tire syndrome. So it's a really old casting? It's an old casting, yeah. So, fun fact. Yeah. Um, the Circuit Legends set was supposed to include the Toyota 2000 GT. Really? Um, and then there was a last-minute licensing issue. Huh. So they substituted it with that Cobra Coupe instead, which is why they put an older casting into the set, because everything else in the set is pretty modern. Yeah. Um, the Corvette's actually an older casting, too, but... But it's a good-looking... It's a proportional... Like Very it's much proportionate. so. Very much so. The... Um... The 962 in the Advan livery yep. looks great. Yes, it does. And they use two different color wheels, but they're the same wheel. Yep, just like the race car would have two different color wheels. Like yeah. a turbo, turbine style wheel. And like way more detail than the standard 962 casting. Um, The 962 as as came out as a... The Greddy car. It was a premium casting to begin with. They haven't released a not premium casting of it. So the Greddy car has the same... Um, amount of detail that car does. Really? I'm pretty sure it does, yeah. So, the new... Oh, go ahead. That's the Corvette, which yeah. is a C3 convertible with big flares. Yeah, it's kind of made to look like a Greenwood car. Yes. This has cool looking... These are the new Halibrand wheels? They're not new, but they're Halibrand style wheel, yeah. They're not new. No, they're not. Sorry. But they're new-ish? No. No, they've been around for... Really? They, they came out on... Um, there was some historic racing NASCAR cars that they came out on years ago. Oh. So, and they also used to put them on some of the 60s gasser style cars. Then two new castings in this set, which is normally there's one new casting yeah. in the set. There's two in this one. There's the GT4, GT, the Ford GT Le Mans, the new uh, twin turbo V6 Yeah, one. number 66. Yeah, the red, white, and blue one. That's actually, this is a very, very nice casting. Yep, that's kind of the sleeper of the collection. It's, it's, a got, really it's well... got wheels that look like the race car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really well proportioned. I know. I like this one because I've seen this car race a couple times in person. And I, I think it's going away soon. I'm not sure if they're continuing the race program. I have no idea. It's only but, been out for like two years, hasn't it? Yeah, but that's how that's how racing programs go. Yeah. Anyway, that, that's a cool one. And I, the, my favorite one of the new set yeah. is the 787B. This is a really cool casting. Yes, which is all new for the set. Except for the issue with the spoiler that they all have. Yep, it's just bent a little to the side. But you can take a little hot water and uh, hold it under hot water while bending it back into position. And then take it out of the hot water and let it cool in your hand and it'll, st- it'll stay straight. It's weird how it, it did that. Yeah. It's like from the packaging. Well, it's the first... Um, they don't normally do a separate spoiler, correct? They do sometimes do a separate spoiler. But they don't normally do oh, and the back removing, comes removing off, right? cowlings on it, yeah. So the rear engine cover comes off on that to show all the underhood. And then the rear wheels on this thing are, are different. New. The, no, they're old. They're old style. There's no new wheels in this set. Okay. Um, but the front wheels in that has the aero covers, and the rear wheels have like a five spoke, just like the real car would. So that's really neat too. It's a really nice looking car for yeah. a Hot Wheels. Those uh, rear wheels came out. Years ago, on the Ferrari exclusive sets. Oh yeah, okay. So. But I mean, just looking at the detail, the little uh, logos for the electrical cutoff, and yep, it's not the iconic orange and bluish purple uh, charge livery. It's the other seven eight seven B livery that was blue. raised, the white and blue Mazda livery. 
uh, which makes me believe they're probably going to do the orange and blue one at some point. Mm-hmm. Probably save that for another set because they can't have that casting and not make that livery on it. I don't know if somebody else currently has the exclusive rights to it. I know it's a really good car. I got, I got two sets so I can open one. Yeah, and hang, hang the other ones on the wall because that's really cool looking card art too. Um, but Tomica does a 787B with the charge livery. So I don't know if there's some kind of uh, licensing issue they can't get it right now. But the Tomica car is not $5. It's a Hot Wheels size and it's $60. Mm. But it's also like five times the detail. And then you found for me the new Sport Quattro. Yep. Which, which has the those aerodisc wheels. Yep. Which is cool because they're like white. Mm-hmm. I've only seen yeah. them in silver. They're silver, gold, white, and red, and black have yeah. so far. But those really, are white. Really good looking casting. It's a new casting? It is brand new this year. That just came out this month, like last week. Mm-hmm. So I didn't think I was going to find any on the shelves, actually, because around no, here it's, it's really very, hard. Very it's such cool. a stupid little thing, to, like Hot Wheels cars. Like, they're cool little things. They cost a dollar to five dollars, depending on the car. Yeah, people hoard them. But people around here hoard them to sell them on eBay for a profit of, like, a dollar. Like, it's a lot of work to me yep. to buy a car for a dollar, to sell it for two dollars, and to ruin it for everybody else. But what do I know? I didn't think I'd found the... Mazda Repu truck, either. Okay, that's cool. But that's a cool-looking one. In red. I like it in red. Yep. yep these are pretty... These are new, aren't they? That came out last year. Really? Yep. Wow. I'm surprised I found it, then. Well, the red one just came out this year. Oh. But last year it came out in black with a blue door, and then white, and now red. And then I liked the the Countach. Yes. 50th anniversary Hot Wheels yep, it pace looks, car. Yeah, it looks like a pace car, which is really neat. Yeah. It has no spoiler on it. Nope. Which is cool for a Countach. Yep. But it has a light in the roof, which is annoying. No, it's cool looking. For a pace car, it is, yes. That first came out in white. Mm-hmm. And the second release was red. And I'm pretty sure that's a new Lamborghini casting. I don't think it's a, re- a, a reissued casting. No, it looks pretty good. Yeah. So it's pretty nice. It's those disc wheels. Mm-hmm. In chrome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it says 2017 Mattel, so... It's pretty new. Yeah. It, the casting's fairly new, I think, so... But yeah, unfortunately, I haven't done any actual project car updates or anything. It's only been a couple of days since we recorded last time, and I'm still in the mix of finishing up my... 100% finishing up my move and whatnot. I guess that's a project car update. I moved all my cars. Yeah. So... Nothing is left Saab, behind. Saab started up. So the Saab has been sitting for a year and a half. Put a battery, jumped back on it, and the thing started up, and I drove it to its new storage spot, and it drove like I parked it the day before. Mm. So, I mean, the testament to Saab's build quality, I guess, because it wasn't prepared or prepped in any way when it got parked. It just got parked. Um, it's a 97 9000 CSE Turbo. Mm-hmm. Uh, with an automatic, unfortunately, but it's a really good car. I just started right up and drove. Um, project car down dates, the Brown Colt we moved. I was having a really hard time shifting it out of park. Uh, it wouldn't start in park, so I figured the shifter was just not quite in park all the way, so I wanted to put it in neutral, start it in neutral, and I pulled it down out of park, and the shifter handle wasn't moving very easily, and then all of a sudden it moved really easily. Uh, and apparently the shifter cable broke at the transmission, 
and the shift selector lever is stuck in the transmission. Mm. So we couldn't get that out of park. So mm. that stinks. Um, and then once I had it, what I thought was in neutral, but it wasn't really, I put my foot in the brake, and my foot went right to the floor. Ah. So that car did not fare storage as well. So i got to go through that and see exactly what has gone wrong and see if I can even find parts for it or not. Mm. So that one's uh, unfortunately maybe on its way out because... I only have so much time and so much money and so much space, and that may be either sold or whatever. What about the Raider? You want to look at the Raider next? Raider is next in line. I also moved my motorcycle for the first time in like five years. Mm. That was in the basement of the home that I sold, I heard <laughs> so the, it had to come out. I heard the brake locked up. So that was super annoying, because we rolled it into the back of the truck, up a ramp, no problem at all, drove it 18 miles in the back of a pickup truck. And then it wouldn't roll back down the ramp because the front wheel locked up in mm. the back of the truck. Mm. So that's super annoying, too. And it wasn't like a stuck brake. Something's probably broken inside the drum. So that's been in my basement for a very long time. So who knows what's going on with that thing. But I do have new front wheel bearings and brakes for it that I bought before I parked it. Oh. So if I take it apart, it won't take long to put it back together. So sure, we can get it started and running and, and go from there. The cool thing about motorcycles, though, is they're very simple. Yeah. Like, it's one carburetor, one cylinder, two brakes, a tire, and a chain. Two tires and a chain. Could work on it inside? We could work on it inside. Yeah, roll right in a basement somewhere. Anywhere we wanted. We do it right here next to the podcast table. No. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm bringing it to your house. I'm just saying we could. Nope. <laughs> I can't use it in my... I can't build it in my house either, so... Still will be done in a garage. Um... No, we should we should look at the Raider next. Yeah, we're gonna need to because I think I'm selling my pickup truck. So officially, actually, this time, mm. more like not so much as selling as my father needs a new plow truck, and he wants a truck to tow his trailer with. So I'll probably do the right thing and sign the title of truck over to my dad and buy a different truck for myself. Mm. So anyway, those are project car updates, down dates, and same dates. Hmm. So everything's in storage anyway. So yeah. Yeah. Um, trying to secure some time off from work, and I'd like to actually possibly be bringing the Sapporo to Austin for Radwoods, but we'll, time well, remains to be seen on that. You'd have to leave here in the winter time. That's okay. Okay. It is what it is. I'll get it out of the salty area and clean it real good. But then, because my plan is to eventually move to Arizona. I think I would be leaving the Sapporo in a storage facility somewhere in Austin and then fly back at some point and continue the drive with it to Arizona later on. Hmm. That's a potential plan in the back of my head. But it'd be kind of neat to get it to the Austin show. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I thought so. So we'll, we'll work on that. This stuff this stuff in the works, but one step at a time. Oh, I got a... Uh, I almost forgot. I got the... White line rear sway bar mounts for the Subaru. Okay, excellent. Because the factory one, one of the bolts busted, and mm-hmm. apparently they bend and break anyways, because there's thin sheet metal. The white line ones are these beefy aluminum things, and they'll bolt right up to the frame rails in the back. Factory holes. Yep. Cool. And I got a throttle cable for it. Did you get a new rear bar for it, too? No. Okay. Rear bar's not. Oh, sway bar. Yeah. I think it meant, like, body bar, like a bumper. Bumper beam. No, we were talking about sway bar pushing, so yes. I figured you knew where I was going with that. I do have a new rear bar that came in the car. It's a 
So the 04, for whatever reason, got a 17 millimeter bar in the rear. Okay. But from like 02 to 03, they got a 20. And okay. then like after 04, they got went back to a 20 mil. Oh, that's weird. Like like an STI bar is the same as, as a 20 mil too. Mm-hmm. It's like super weird that they that's just bizarre. didn't. It's one year only. Yeah. So you put a, you're putting a 20 mil bar in it? Yeah. Because you put a 24 in the front, right? Right. Okay. Yeah, so you put a, a bigger one in the front because it helps hold the camera curve. Okay. Counterintuitive, but yes, it works. They're camera challenged, so you want to keep the car from rolling and flipping that outside tire up into positive camera as much as possible. So, believe it or not, it helps with front grip. Yeah, because it keeps more contact patch. Yeah. I ran a 27 mil in the front of the STI with a 20 mil. But you could run a bigger difference between the two because that had uh, diffs that would automatically adjust for power transfer. It's a little bit different in the WRX because it just has the um, viscous diffs, so they're not as aggressive. Okay. But that car would power oversteer like autocrossing. So, so I have a quick question for you. Mm-hmm. We'll call it call it a trivia question. All right. So I was at Radwood a couple weeks ago. Yep. And there was a vector there. Oh, right. Um, I posted a picture of it on our Instagram page at the Engine Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see that picture at all? I did. Did you recognize the engine at all? I would guess it's an LT4 or an LT1 um, type engine. Type engine, sure. Um, it's a GM-based V8. Right. Um, it's not... The North Star V8? No, no, no. It's, it's a... Different company that made a GM engine, basically. Um, like a Merc Cruiser? No, a Ro- Rodec, I think, is the company. So it's a Rodec V8. It's got like replaceable sleeves, unlike a normal GM V8 does. Sure. Uh, it's bizarre. So um, it's it's like a small block Chevy, but that's been sleeved? Pretty much. Weird. Yeah. Um, but that's not my question. The weirdest thing about that car is the transmission. Now... It's a rear-engine car. Yeah. Transversely mounted. Right. So most rear-engine cars have, like, a Porsche-style Getrag manual transmission. Not necessarily. A lot of them do. NSX doesn't. No, I'm saying most... Okay. Most rear-engine supercars have okay. a longitudinal, longitudinally mounted... Mount, mount, ugh, I can't talk tonight. A longitudinally mounted engine. Yeah. And, like, a normal... Porsche style, Getrag style transmission. Yeah. Okay, this doesn't have that. No. Because the engine. They just is. took a front wheel drive, like engine package, and stuck it in the back, and made it mid-engine. Essentially, yes. Do so you... is, it, is it like the three-speed front wheel drive transmission out of like the '75 Cadillac that my grandfather has? Okay, that was my trivia question, part one. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's a GM three-speed. So like a chain drive. Okay, so you already know it's chain drive. Yeah. All right, so my trivia questions don't matter to you. <laughs> um, but, yeah. It's the that, most bizarre thing. It's completely bizarre. I don't understand how it works. Um, well, it was like an early version of a... They were just looked at transfer case technology, and they're like, well, how does that work? And we'll just adapt so it to in 1973, drive. it was fine. Yeah. In 1991, with a twin-turbo 500-horsepower package, I don't know how it works without blowing into pieces. The the Cadillac has a 500 cubic inch engine. Yeah, but it makes 180 horsepower. Yeah, but like two <laughs> or three 
hundred like foot pound like two or three hundred foot pounds of torque though. Like uh, it makes a ton of torque. It just doesn't seem the sakes okay. What do you think? It, and it moves a vehicle that's like eight new, thousand pounds. New trivia question. <laughs> what do you think a W eight made for power and torque? A W eight? Yeah, it's a vector W eight. Oh. That's the model. Okay. Uh they call the W eight. Not to be confused with the Volkswagen yeah, yeah. W8. Uh, I thought you were on. asking me about a W8, like Volkswagen. No, we're talking about this same right. car with the chain-driven three-speed automatic out the of a Coronado Eldorado. Is 1991? Something like that, yeah. And it was a supercar. Yes. It's it, a twin-turbocharged, six-liter GM-derived engine. Okay. So, like, the hot shit car back then, one of them would be, like, a ZR1. Or an F40. Or an F40 or a yeah. 959. So, we're pushing, like... Big horsepower back then would have been 450. Okay. Yeah. 650 horsepower. Wow. 650 pound-feet. Wow. Through a chain. Wow. That number doesn't make any sense when you're putting it through a chain, does it not? It's like a... Yeah, but have you seen like a transfer case? It's not like a thin like motorcycle chain. It doesn't matter. It's, it's a like chain. a wide belt I know. Chain. I know what a transfer case chain looks like. <laughs> I just... When I was t- we were talking about the car at the show, a couple of us were, and just looking at the whole thing, nothing about the car makes sense. It's all off-the-shelf parts. 90% of it is, yeah. But it's a wild, wild thing. So, I mean, it's car at 220 miles an hour in 1991. It doesn't look that aerodynamic when you see pictures of it. It's a. It's basically a doorstop. It's a triangle. Is it? It looks like a... It looks like what you, it looks like what you design to think super triangly. Oh yeah, like, it's that seventies. They just took that seventies wedge. Well, you remember the original vector, the one that I made a few of because it failed miserably. Um, Money wise, failed miserably. I should say. I think it was a W three. Oh, I'm sure that I'm sure W three wasn't the first. It was the first production quote unquote car. So vectors were made in California. They were yeah. So Los Angeles actually. I mean, it was kind of like. What's futuristic? How is this thing designed? It's like, we're going to design this on CAD, so we're going to call it the Vector. And, like, the interior pictures are pretty wild, where it has, like, a... Is it, like, a CRT screen? Like... I think the earlier cars had that. Well, the I saw pictures of this car, the interior. It had, like, a ton of buttons. There's a lot of buttons, yes. It's like, I don't remember there being a CRT screen, but I could be wrong. Okay, the W2 was the other street car. So these remind me, and, like... Basically, so like a... So that was the W2. Okay, that's a very 70s. Yeah. So like a a supercar of the 90s, so like an F40, maybe not the 90s, but the 80s and 90s. So like a Countach, an F40, this Vector, even to a lesser extent, C4 Corvette, they remind me of, they like stole the styling from like an F14, F15 fighter. Okay. Because, like, you know, Top Gun was, like, a huge movie. and like, W2 looks very 70s because it came out in 78. Okay. Like, it, everything's very angular. Everything's got nacoducts. You know, it's, like, aerodynamic, but it's uh, it's not, like, smooth aerodynamics. It's very sharp edges. Oh, very sharp edges, yeah. Um, so that that's, I don't know, that's what I think of when I see those cars. No, you're right. There's definitely, like, a, a space-age kind of kind of well it's a lot like era. there's a lot of car design that comes from aircraft styles at the time do you do you know what a NACA duct comes from what it stands for NACA it's an acronym 
Oh man. Oh, I I did. It was like is it like National Aerospace something? The National Advisory Committee for Aerospace, I think. Yeah. Uh, aeronautics. Yeah. Uh, let me double check that. It's nothing worse than when somebody would write NASA duct. <laughs> oh, I know. National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics. Mm-hmm. So the precursor to NASA. Yeah, it's it became not, NASA. It's actually a really cool like design, and I think it's it must be like unlicensed or something. That's why everybody can use it. It creates like low pressure. It's a low drag air inlet, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very cool. They're all they're all over race cars mm-hmm. and airplanes. Mm-hmm. There's two of them, most famously, probably right in the middle of the. F-40 hood, or the side of the Countach is one giant Nagaduct. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Um, anyway, that was just, I had, I was just, my mind was blown by the Vector. I didn't realize how crazy everything about it was. That's probably the only one you've ever seen. I've never seen one in person. Yeah. yeah. So, that was what was cool about the, sh- excuse me, what was cool about the show was, I've seen Countaches before. I've even seen a Bugatti EB110 before. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen a Vector in person. Mm-hmm. So, made me quite happy. It looks like it's not a CRT screen. It's like a weird early LCD display. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like the I mean, cat- watching the guy get into the car was crazy because it's like a foot and a half sill on each side. And the car is wider than most cars, but the actual seating area is so narrow. That the two seats touch each other. So is it? Is the car fiberglass? It has to be, right? No. It's all steel. No, it's not steel. It's carbon. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. That's Which very is also insane. For that's the, for very the advanced. Yeah. Because I think the uh, I don't think the I think the F forty was some carbon, but a lot, a lot of carbon, mostly yeah. carbon. Yeah. I think like, like an aluminum monocoque maybe with carbon but, skin. I'll, no, I'll, I'll 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 be wrong on that too. What is a Countach? Is it aluminum? Is it steel? Okay, so the history uh, vector. Now this is, I don't know the exact specs, and this is Wikipedia specs, so mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but um, semi-aluminum monocoque chassis, epoxy bonded and riveted with an aluminum honeycomb structure floor pan, 5,000 aircraft specification rivets. The body is made of lightweight carbon fiber and Kevlar. Wow. So yeah, in the early 90s. Huh. So, so what were you asking about the F forty? No, the uh, what was, oh, what was the Countach? I think I found it here. But man, that was a uh, that was quite wild. That's a two hundred thirty five thousand dollar car in nineteen ninety one. That's insane. So it's over a million money. now. Oh, I'm sure they are. I don't know what they're worth now. Well, they could not. No, be. no, no, no. But if you account for uh, inflation. You know, we've been in the millions now, right? Oh, I'm sure. So, um, 235,000. Yeah. In 1991. Hmm. I don't know how that works, but. No, it's pretty wild, though. But, yeah, so the, uh, you know, the chassis and. Of the Countach are steel. Sheet steel. But, That's $432,000 today. Hmm. That's crazy. The Countach is steel, right? Yeah, I think it's all steel. Yeah. Let's just say what the body panels are. 
Weird. Unstressed aluminum panels. So it's aluminum over steel. Yeah. Huh. Now that makes sense, because it... But the, F, the F40 was carbon fiber, wow. Kevlar, and aluminum. So wow. So Lamborghini was more of a... It was still more of a tractor. <laughs> yeah. But, anyway, on that note... Yes, for sure. Keep your supercars analog and aim for the roses. Yes. 